reading is Luke 7, 1 through 17. You can find this in the Blue Pew Bibles on page 863, in the Black Pew Bibles on page 811. Luke 7, 1 through 17. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion, centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation. He is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far off from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am unworthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I, too, am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowds that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with them. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. My name is Brett Sweet. I'm one of the pastors here at GCF, where we exist joyfully to glorify God through gospel-centered worship, evangelism, discipleship, and community, continuing our series through Luke, these wonderful two events, miraculous events. Let me pray and ask God to help us as we try to learn from Him, be changed by Him. God, thank You for this text that is trustworthy and true and without error. We pray that we would submit to it, listen to it well. Listen to it carefully. Pray that you would help me be helpful to these people you love. We pray that we would all see Jesus more clearly today than we have seen him before. That we would love him more. We pray that your Holy Spirit would come and, and do that in our hearts. And we confess that apart from you, we can do nothing. So please go to work. Change lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Imagine you are John Payton, you're a Scottish pastor, you have this thriving ministry in Glasgow, and you hear about this island in the South Pacific called the New Hebrides, where uh, every time missionaries go there, basically they must face death. They'll either be driven out or they'll be killed. 
And you think, as you have been successful in, in Glasgow, maybe God is calling you. So you go and you ask a trustworthy elder, the church, named Mr. Dixon. Mr. Dixon responds, you will be eaten by cannibals. How about that for encouragement? Peyton responds, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave, there to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I can, can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in the great day, my resurrection body will rise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. Is that how you think about facing death? You're just going to be raised someday, no big deal. I'm going to die. Could your faith handle that? You might be eaten by cannibals. What if your child said that to you? I want to go uh, reach these cannibalistic people. John Payton's parents had faith in Jesus and they said, we're for you, go. How would you handle that? What if you experienced what Peyton did? All of a sudden, the people turn against you. You're trying to get away. You're trying to get off the island. They surround you with weapons, guns, spears, bows and arrows. And they look at the, the tribes, people look at one another, trying to egg someone else to make the first stab, take the first shot, put this guy to death. Would you respond like Peyton described it after the fact? My heart rose up to the Lord Jesus. I saw him watching all the scene. My peace came back to me like a wave from God. I realized that I was immortal till my master's work with me was done. The assurance came to me as if a voice out of heaven had spoken and that not a musket would be fired to wound us. Not a club prevailed to strike us. Not a spear leave the hand in which it was held vibrating to be thrown. Not an arrow leave the bow or a killing stone the fingers. Without the permission of Jesus Christ, whose is all power in heaven and earth. Having faith in Jesus changed the way Peyton viewed death. How they faced death. He, his friends, his family. And Luke 7, 1 through 17 is meant to help us the same way. To see Jesus, understand Jesus, and face death. It's the story of two people, really two events, of people that were forced to face death. They didn't ask for it. They didn't want it. There was loneliness, loss, all of these things, fear. But Jesus was with them. Jesus was with them, and he changed everything. So these passages here, these two stories, will help us face death. So the main overarching theme, and this is the theme I, I hope you always carry, it's this, face death with faith in Jesus. Face death with faith in Jesus. We're all going to face death. We're going to face it, the death of loved ones around us, and we're going to face the death of ourselves. Face death with faith in Jesus. And we're going to hear two stories. One is the story of someone who has to face death who is unworthy, and another who has to face death and she is needy. So that's how we'll break it down. Two 
themes, the unworthy and the needy. They will help us face death with faith in Jesus. So the first story, if you are unworthy, if you are unworthy, face death with faith in Jesus. Face death with faith in Jesus if you are unworthy. Why? Why should you, if you are unworthy, face death with faith in Jesus? The answer is, Jesus loves the unworthy. He loves the unworthy. And that should shock us. He, Jesus loves the unworthy. Let's read verses 1 through 7. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. What makes a person worthy? Is it love of nation, patriotism? That's what the Jews thought about this guy. Here's why he's worthy. He loves our nation. Is it religion that makes you worthy? Look, Jesus, he, this guy is worthy to be healed, have his servant healed. Here's why. Because he built our synagogue so that people can worship God. Doesn't that make you worthy? Doesn't that make him worthy? Surely that makes him worthy. That's what the Jews thought. But the centurion knows spiritual reality better than they do. He knows that you could never do enough to be worthy. You can't. He knows better. He knows something that these Jews should know. He is unworthy. See, normally this guy would have been an outcast, the Jews. He's, he's a Roman occupier. He's a Gentile. But maybe he's done enough to be worthy. No. This guy knows reality. He is unworthy. He deserves none of Jesus' time or effort. Even as he faces the death of his servant, here's this, this friend of his laying on his deathbed. All he recognizes is, I'm unworthy. But maybe Jesus can do something. Jesus is willing to help. Here's why we can face death. Jesus loves the unworthy. If you're unworthy, face death with faith in Jesus. So why else should the unworthy face death with faith in Jesus? The first is Jesus loves the unworthy. The second is pretty remarkable. Jesus marvels at faith. Why face death if you're unworthy with faith in Jesus? Because Jesus marvels at faith. There's something Jesus marvels at. Listen to verses 8 through 9. For I tell you, or no, for I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. 
And turning to the crowd that followed him said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. The Gospels primarily tell us stories of people marveling at Jesus. And here's someone Jesus marvels at. I want Jesus to marvel at me. And what is it that makes Jesus marvel? Faith. Faith, simple, trusting faith, believing Jesus can do what he claims to do. And see, here's why I think Jesus marvels at faith. He sees our sin more clearly than we do. He knows miracles are pretty amazing and he, because he performs them. He knows that's shocking to us. But he knows there might be even a greater miracle that people believe. It's a miracle. Do you think about that? That God literally intruded into your life. The Holy Spirit gave you a new heart to believe. That's something worth marveling about. Jesus is remarkable. And the centurion believes Jesus' power is so great that Jesus doesn't even need to be present, doesn't even need to be there. Jesus can do what he thinks and what will be best. So faith says, Jesus, you don't trouble yourself. I know how powerful you are. You don't even need to come in here. Just say the word. Your word has power. It'll accomplish what it's doing. So when you are unworthy and you have faith, you are just the type of person the Son of God marvels at. If you're unworthy, face death with faith in Jesus. Jesus marvels at simple, trusting faith. We want that. We want to be people who Jesus marvels at. Unworthy people who have faith. There's another reason why we can say the unworthy should face death with faith in Jesus. Because Jesus has the power to prevent death. Jesus has the power to prevent death. Let's read verse 10. See Jesus preventing death. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. In verse 2, this servant is at the point of death. The doctors have done everything they can. Technology, whatever they had at the time, all the medicines, done everything it could. Not making a difference. This guy is on the downward slope towards death. Last ditch effort. Let's call in Jesus. Maybe he'll help. The next step is death. So here's the centurion facing death, facing the death of his valuable servant, his friend. He decides not to face death alone. If Jesus can be here, Jesus can do something, then things might be different. Maybe he has the power to prevent death. And this turnaround comes so quickly. It says Jesus is close to the home. So when, they, when, when he's close to the home, when he hears about this faith. So this guy uh, is, is just minutes from dying, probably. And the, it's just not coincidental. It all happened too fast. Jesus thinks, speaks us out loud. Amazed at this guy's faith, marvels at it, boom, servant heals moments later. Not coincidence. Jesus has power to prevent death. They've made a movie of this, I haven't seen it, but John Smith, common name I'm sure, was underwater for 15 minutes in a frozen lake. 
Ice broke, he falls down, he's rushed to the hospital. He's 14 years old. The doctors have done everything they can for more than 20 minutes. The ambulance did everything they could on the way. No pulse, nothing, no heartbeat, no breath. Now they're just in the hospital room. They're waiting for John's mom, Joyce, to quit praying so they can just pronounce time of death. The whole time the nurse has her hand on John's body and Joyce is praying, God, Holy Spirit, please give my son life, protect, my, protect his life, keep him from dying. I want him to live. No heartbeat, 45 minutes. Then all of a sudden, the nurse says, wait, we got a pulse. We got a pulse. Jesus hears prayer, sends his spirit, intervenes, prevents death. Jesus has the power to prevent death. He can miraculously intervene. He is physically at the Father's right hand right now. And some of us wish Jesus was here right now. But he could just say the word to the Holy Spirit, go. Death prevented. There's power in his word. It's like an army officer. Death can be prevented. Jesus has that power. There's probably stories in this room that you could tell of Jesus preventing death. There's probably stories we'll hear about someday where Jesus prevented death and we didn't know it. We just thought we were pulling into the gas station to get a bottle of water. We didn't know he was protecting us from a car crash. Someday we'll know. If you're going to face death, face death with Jesus. If you're going to face death for yourself or someone you love, if you're unworthy, wouldn't it be best to face death with faith in Jesus? He has the power to prevent death. Doctors can do it a little bit. God bless them. Nurses, technology, pharmacists can do it a little bit. God bless them. Our choices make a difference. They eat healthy, exercise. God bless us. But when push comes to shove, there's only one man who has the power to prevent death when we face it, and that's Jesus. So let's put our faith in him instead of putting it elsewhere. So face death with faith in Jesus. If you're unworthy, face death with faith in Jesus. And now, secondly, second story, if you're needy, face death with faith in Jesus. If you're needy, face death with faith in Jesus. Death reveals our great need. It reveals that in the end, we don't really have anything. Well, why should the needy face death with faith in Jesus? First answer, answer number one is Jesus has compassion on the needy. Jesus has compassion on the needy. He cares. Cares for people in their great need. Let's read verses 11 through 13. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man was, who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and, considerable and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Some of you are here and you're thinking about the people you've lost, maybe recently, 
or maybe long ago, Jesus has compassion on you. He cares. Cares for you in your great need. And this poor lady is as needy as it gets. She has nothing. She's lost her husband. That was plan A for a source of income. She's a widow. She's now lost her only son. That was plan B for income as a widow. That's the end of the line, the end of her family line. She has no prospect left except for her own death. No source of income. Lost everything. And Jesus has compassion on her. He cares. He cares. All that's left for her really prospects sooner or later is her own death. She has every reason to weep. And God does not condemn weeping. So why does Jesus say, do not weep? Why should the needy face death with faith in Jesus and not weep in this situation? Answer number two. Answer number two. Jesus has the power to overcome death. Jesus has the power to overcome death. It's one thing to prevent it. Few people can do that, can help with that a little bit. Oh, only one has the power to overcome death. Let's read verses 14 and 15. Then he, that's Jesus, came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Transhumanists, they're out there, not transgender people, transhumanists, Here's what they want to do. They want to take your brain, the electrical impulses, convert it into computer code, download it onto a, I don't know, a thumb drive or something, and plug it into a robotic body so that you never die. But is that really living? Is that really preventing death? Is that really power over death? Is that really living forever? This is a different sort of power that Jesus has. Power to take dead people and bring them back to life. That's different than computer code and robots. See, Jesus has the power to overcome death. So that's why we should face death with faith in him. Everything else will let you down sooner or later. Even the most loyal person can't do the things they would hope to do for you. But Jesus has the power to overcome death. When you're on your deathbed, you see you're going to have nothing. You are needy. You can't stop it. Don't face it alone. Face it with faith in Jesus. So if you're needy, face death with faith in Jesus. Jesus has compassion on the needy. Jesus has power to overcome death. Why else should the needy face death with faith in Jesus? Jesus provides proof for our faith. It's not an ignorant faith. He's going to give us proof here. There's evidence why you should trust him and put your faith in him. This is not blind, ignorant, superstition. Let's read verses 16 and 17. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all of the surrounding country. Jesus provides proof for our faith because all of this was witnessed. 
This is not some sort of crazy conspiracy to start some secret religion, some hidden sect that is going to control the world someday. It's nothing like that. This is all done publicly. Verse 11, there's a great crowd there when this happened. And they spread the word. People knew about it. People could come to Nain, talk to this widow, talk to this young man, verify that these things had happened. You could do the same thing with the centurion. There were people there when this man was healed, miraculously. There's proof for your faith. There's a reason. You've got evidence here to put your faith in Jesus. 106 people die every minute. Face death with faith in Jesus. Jesus helps people face the king of terrors. That's what Job calls death, the king of terrors. You can trust Jesus. Luke's writing this to us because these things don't just happen. This is not just anybody here. Jesus is different. There's nobody like him. There's been 105 billion people, they estimate, lived on planet Earth in Earth's history, but only one Jesus. Death's taken them all. Only one has the power over death, Jesus. Knowing influential people didn't make a difference for the servant. He knew a centurion, influential guy, couldn't stop death. Being young this man is old enough that his mom is young enough that his mom is still alive, so he's not terribly old in this culture. Being young did not prevent death. Knowing the right people can't, can't do it. Being young can't help you from lying dead in a casket. Face death with faith in Jesus. If you're unworthy, if you're needy. But what if you think you're worthy? What, what then? Maybe, maybe you're just not unworthy like the centurion. Well, the Bible tells us that you're only worthy if you're perfect. You are unworthy. 1 John 5.12 says this, related to Jesus, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. When we face death, we're going to have to face it, relatively speaking, alone. You're going to have to do it. We'll need help. Jesus has the power to overcome death. The Bible is clear. Death is the punishment for sin. Disobeying God disobeying his law. And since God is infinite, sin requires an infinite payment. That's why the horrors of hell go on forever. It's eternal. It's not fun to listen to. It's not necessarily fun to talk about. But hell seems to be the only thing we're really worthy of. But Jesus loves the unworthy. He has compassion on the needy. He comes and dies, takes the wrath of God that we would experience in hell. He takes that as the substitute for his people. For everybody who puts their faith in Jesus, no more wrath, no more hell, death overcome. 
Jesus did that on the cross. And then Jesus overcame death. Three days later, rises to never die again. Put your faith in him. None of your heroes did that. Only Jesus. He's called the first fruits, meaning with his resurrection, we'll be raised too. If you're a Christian, if you put your faith in Jesus, you will be raised like Jesus is raised. Your loved ones put their faith in Jesus will be raised like him. We'll live forever with him in a renewed creation. No more suffering, no more sadness. They make now in this earth caskets of all sizes for little babies and for the Athletic basketball player. Millions of graves have been filled with teenagers and 20-somethings who think they're going to live forever. But for those who face death with faith in Jesus, it's not the end of the story. So how do we apply this? How do we face death with faith in Jesus when we're facing the death of a loved one, like the centurion or the widow? What do we do? When our loved one dies, it's okay to weep. This command here to this widow is a specific historical event. He's, Jesus is not saying you can't ever weep. It's okay to weep and mourn. But there's also a picture here with this widow. You will experience what she has experienced. She had to go hours or a day or so forth without being able to speak to her son. But then he was raised and they could speak to each other again. That will be the case for you and your loved ones who know Jesus. You might have to wait years. You might have to wait decades. But that day is coming. You can face death with faith in Jesus. And he will put an end to our weeping. But what about when we have to face the death of a loved one who doesn't seem to have put their faith in Jesus? What do we do then? Faith looks a little bit different there. We can embrace our need. We may not have our loved one with us again, but we do have Jesus near, near us and with us by His Spirit. And we can un- embrace our unworthiness. We can look at these people and say that we love so much and say, I'm no better than them. I'm unworthy. I'm just, I'm just like them. But for whatever reason, God has had mercy on me. Faith means trusting God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son, Jesus here. So we should be humble people, trusting that they know what's best. This is the one in three, infinite in wisdom. And there is a glimmer of hope, even if it's just a glimmer, that perhaps God's grace is so generous that maybe in their last moments they flung themselves on the mercy of Jesus. He saved them. When we're facing our own death, we will need help. We're a relatively young congregation. We haven't had a lot of dying yet. If we preach the gospel the way we plan to, it's going to bring all types of people. So there will be more elderly, there will be more sick, there will be more people who have made decisions in the past that will will shorten their lives. There will be more death. We're going to need help. 
So what do we do? We preach the gospel to ourselves. And Jesus will have compassion on us when we're facing death. He has compassion on the needy. We're going to have to preach that Jesus has satisfied God's judgment towards us. Have faith that we'll be accepted by him on his righteousness. And that Jesus has the power to overcome death and raise the dead. We're going to have to preach other things to ourselves. That God is a better caretaker, better provider, better father, better husband than we are when we leave our loved ones behind. We'll have to believe that. We're going to have to talk to ourselves, believe that. It'll be better. They'll have a better provider than if we were even here. And here's also where the local church is helpful. You'll have people around you that can remind you of these things. Wait with you. Walk with you. Listen to you. Learn from you. But death or not, Luke wants us to be focusing on Jesus. Jesus, who loves the unworthy. Everyone around you, and I mean this, everyone is evaluating you. They are evaluating you right now. Are you worthy to be loved? Are you beautiful enough? Are you smart enough? Do you have enough money? Do you have enough prospects? Have you done enough for me? Are you rich enough? Obedient enough? Have you been religious enough? Are you different or unique enough? Are you Christian enough? You don't have to prove that to Jesus. You don't have to prove you're worthy because you aren't. And he loves the unworthy. He loves you. So focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus who has compassion on the needy. People are always evaluating you that way too. If we help them, what do we get in return? What do they have to offer me? Will I get paid back? Are they worthy enough for us to be generous? This widow would have had nothing, absolutely nothing. Wouldn't have been worth spending resources on her. And yet Jesus has compassion on her. Everybody else would say, she's not worth it. But Jesus has compassion on the needy. He'll have compassion on you. He helps the unworthy and the needy. So is Jesus just like Mother Teresa or the people that go downtown and feed the homeless? Volunteer in prisons? No. Because Jesus has power, a different sort of power. Power to prevent death, power to overcome death. See, we're all afraid of people with power, aren't we? We think if, if Putin was here, or if the wrong dictator was here, we'd be terrified. What's he going to do to us? What's someone with that level of power going to do? He could destroy us. But look at this. This power is wrapped up in a person who's compassionate and loving. So he's not powerless just because he's loving and compassionate. And he's not harsh just because he's powerful. They're all wrapped together. Why would you want to face death with anybody else? Face death with faith in Jesus. There's going to be times in our lives when we're going to have to face the death of loved ones like this and wish Jesus had been there. So Jesus, why weren't you there? You could have been here. 
Mary and Martha with their brother Lazarus. You could have prevented this. Here's something remarkable. Faith is Holy Spirit-empowered contact cement. When they touch, you can't be pulled apart. And there's this mysterious doctrine, but it's very Christian. It's all over in the New Testament called union with Christ. So when you have faith, faith bonds you to Jesus. So when you face death with faith, it's not that you just have faith. You actually have Jesus there somehow, spiritually, through the Holy Spirit. So when you face death, you're like John Payton. When he looked up and he's, he was facing death and then he realizes Jesus is here. He sees everything that's going on. He knows what's going on. He's in control. He'll take care of us, whatever that means. So when you face death with faith in Jesus, it's not just faith. Jesus is there. Isn't he the one you want with you? Isn't he the one you want with you when you're walking through the death of a child or a parent or a friend or a husband or wife? That's who I want with me. Face death with faith in Jesus. He's, he'll be by our side. He'll raise our bodies, whether we're eaten by cannibals or whether we're eaten by worms. He'll be there. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for sending your Son, Heavenly Father. You are so good. Would you help us to put our faith in Him? Would you help us to see what Luke wants us to see? God, so many of us hear this and we just don't care. Lord, help us to see there's no one like Jesus. He's the one we should want. So would you go to work in our hearts so that we want what we should want? And that's Him. Do you help us to trust Him? God, we're all going to be, be dead soon. Help us to put our faith in Jesus. Help us to live differently than those in our culture who are constantly afraid of death. And Lord, it's probably right for them to be. So help us to not judge, but help us to have confidence in you. Trust you. Obey you. Live for you. Be willing to die for you and rejoice in you. We're thankful that you promised to raise us from the dead someday. We're thankful that the moment believers die, we immediately pass into your presence spiritually. God, help us to rejoice and meditate on that reality. In Jesus' name, amen.